Hey everybody, it's the second week of Advent and I am um, quarantining myself, which is kind of a weird thing because I'm not doing any in-person social stuff, but I'm, I still feel good so I can still rake leaves and clean up my yard and do stuff. So praise the Lord for that. Um, okay, so I'm gonna start with an advertisement because I found this thing this week. I knew about it, but it was on sale this last week and I got one and I thought I would recommend it to you if you want to buy somebody a Bible. If you wanna buy somebody a Bible that likes their phone and likes to use phone apps and, uh, but they also wanna have a Bible, this is a perfect combination. So this is a study Bible, but you don't see very many notes at the bottom, right? because it has this thing called filament in it, filament. And there's an app that you scan the page, whatever page you're on, like let's say you're on Genesis 12, and you scan that with the app and all of the study notes are in the app. So you're not carrying around a big heavy study Bible, you're carrying around this really cool lightweight small Bible but you have a ton of study notes and then they have videos and all of the maps are all app enabled. So you're looking at them, you know, you can zoom in, you can zoom out. Um, there's video commentaries, there's sermons from all different preachers. And it's just like this humongous, vast study Bible all hooked into a little tiny paper Bible. So I got that at the vineyard. Um, they have all different translations but the thing to look for is filament. And if it has the filament, which you can get the filament app also, and you can get access to all that stuff. Um, but if you were gonna buy somebody a Bible to get them interested, or they were st sort of interested and just starting to be interested, um, that, that's a way you could give them a paper Bible that they can hold and look at, and it doesn't have pop-ups and alerts. You don't have to be in airplane mode and all that to do it, so, okay. Advertisement over. I had to make sure, I had to see how much time I used on that. So today we're in ad, Advent number two, and I'm talking about the four ways that God has revealed himself through the four Sundays of Advent. And last week we talked about how God revealed himself to mankind and came to be with mankind through the creation through the way he created the world and his creation. And this week, we're gonna talk about how God has revealed himself and presented himself and wants to be close to us through his law. And that sounds totally crazy, I know, because you think, how does a law help God get close to us? And why would God give us all these laws if he wants to be close? So let's go back, way back. I scroll my page here um, back to Adam what yes so God gave Adam a law and the law was one sentence don't eat it from that tree and that was it right um, the the whole history of God and his laws I'll just spoiler alert I'll ruin it right here um, is a long history of people being told to do something and being unable to do it. And that is critical to why we celebrate Christmas, right? 
So Adam and Noah and Abraham all lived before the law, before what we know of as the Torah or the law. And um, well, that didn't mean God didn't give them directives and God didn't give them covenants and promises. So listen to this. This is from Genesis 9, verse 3. Every moving, living, every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat flesh with its life in it, that is, its blood. And for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast, I will require it and from man. So, like if an animal kills a man, God's going to demand a reckoning from that animal. From his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of a man. Whoever sheds the blood of a man by a man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. And you be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark, is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you that I will never again, never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood and never again shall there be a flood destroy the earth. So you see how God made, he made the covenant of, um, I'm having a lot of trouble seeing my notes out here in the sun. God made a covenant with Noah and then he also gave him some rules. Don't eat flesh that still has blood in it. Well, up until this point, in some weird way, some people think that everybody was vegetarian and that animals weren't afraid of people and animals and people got along with each other. Um, that, we, we don't know, we don't know for sure about that, right? We don't know very much about the world before the flood. But the fact that God gave him rules gave him instructions don't kill people don't kill people don't eat flesh with the blood in it and if you kill one another there's going to be there needs to be justice so the rabbis ancient rabbis took this and turned it into the seven laws of noah not do not worship idols do not curse god do not commit murder do not commit sexual immorality do not steal do not eat flesh torn from a living animal. So like if a lion has food, don't pull the food from the lion and eat it, which sounds like wisdom anyway, right? And um, to establish courts of justice. And this is where they get, you know, if you kill somebody, if, if a man kills a man, then a man is going to kill the man that killed the man, right? Basically a death penalty setup. And you can't have that without courts. So the ancient rabbis put the, together these seven laws. It wasn't listed out like that, right? From what I read, you didn't get one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, but that's, that's how their commentaries made it. So Noah and people tried to live by that. Sometimes they didn't, a lot of times they didn't. And you can read about all that. Um, you get into Jacob, Jacob and his family go down to Egypt and they become slaves, and they're slaves in Egypt for 400 years. Sometimes people will call them Hebrews at this point. 
because Hebrew means people from across the river and the nation of Israel and the tribe of Judah from which we get Jewish people, um, they weren't, they weren't called Jews yet. So sometimes you might be like, what's the difference between Hebrews and the Israelites and the Jews, all that. They are basically the same people. It's just a matter of time of where you're talking about them is what is the only difference in that. So they're slaves in Egypt and God hears their pleas. And he says to Moses, I've heard their cries and I have now come down to deliver them. And so he delivers them, right? That's the whole book of Exodus or the whole start of the book of Exodus. And God frees his people and a whole lot of other people come along too. And they go out into the wilderness. And in Exodus 19 is where they get their law. And Exodus 19, it, it talks about how it all happened and how the law was given and, and, and what all went on. Listen to this. There's a couple things in here that um, you might not... You might not pick up on from the movie or from from the movies or from Sunday school class. Exodus 19 verse 1. On the third new moon after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt. It was three months. So they had the Red Sea or they had the ten plagues, the Red Sea, the flee into the wilderness and the manna starts falling and they have three months time passes to just kind of transition and settle down basically 90 days so they come out they're in the wilderness of Sinai and they camp before this mountain and the Lord calls out to Moses and he says here's what you're going to say to the house of Jacob Did you see that he refers to them as the house of Jacob they were descendants of Jacob when they went into Egypt they were descendants of Egypt, or descendants of Jacob the whole time they were Egypt. And now they've come out, and at this moment, he calls them the house of Jacob. Tell the people of Israel. Remember, Israel was Jacob's other name, so they're the people of Jacob, the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you will be my treasured possession among all the people for all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people. So did you notice that was an if in there? If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you will be my treasured possession among all people. So God makes, makes this covenant through Moses that you need to obey these laws and I'm going to be your God. And um, later on, he says he knows they're all going to break him. And here's what's going to happen when they break him. And they, and they give some prophecy. But he says, here, here's, here comes the law. Here's what I need you guys to do. And he gives the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments aren't listed as one, two, three, four. But they're really, really close. They're closer than ever. And can you name all 10? It's not a quiz. You don't have to. Um, he gives the 10 commandments and then that's just the 10. 
And then throughout Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, God gives all these other directives that the ancient rabbis whittled down into 613. But before we get to the 613, here's the 10. And tell me if these sound just like Noah's seven. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You not, shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And you shall not covet. Sounds a lot like that seven. <clears throat> it just got elaborated on a little bit, right? So Moses gives them that law. And it serves not just as a, here's what you have to do because God said so, but it's also a bill of rights and a constitution because this is a nation that just got pulled out of slavery. They, they never knew how to live. They never had any ability to live on their own. They were always somebody's property for 400 years. Uh, they were always ruled by somebody else. And even if they had a fight amongst themselves, their, their slave masters would be the ones that would decide the issue. They, they couldn't even decide this stuff on their own, um, at least not without supervision. So the 613 laws took were, served all different kinds of purposes. There was purpose just for marital order and family order. There were laws that were to keep them safe from foodborne illness and food diseases. There were laws about uh, how to do their liturgy in the temple. So all 613 laws, they aren't all the same. Well, I found a breakdown of them, and this is really interesting. There's this ancient rabbi, gives a commentary on it, and he says there's 365 don'ts. So there's one for every day of the year. Don't wear wool and cotton on the same day. Don't eat shellfish. Um, don't, you know, commit this long list of various immoral deeds. But then there's 248 do statements. And they coordinated that to what they believed at the time was the number of bones in a person's body. And so there's a, it's all symbolic, right? Um, there's every day there's be reminded of the things that you shouldn't do. And with all of your body, every day you're reminded of what you shouldn't do. And with all of your body, do the things that God commands you. And so since they kind of work out the symbolic number thing, and that adds up to 613, they say that there are 613 laws. But the only problem is that rabbis disagree about what the 613 are. And so um, they were still doing this in Jesus. They're still doing it today. You can get on the internet and get on forums and you can see rabbis arguing about what the 613 are. They were still doing this in Jesus's day when a rabbi would say, what's the greatest commandment in the law? Remember, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. They were feeling him out to see what laws he thought were important, which ones he emphasized. So 613, I'm not going to read all of them to you, but 
I want you to get a sense of what, what's going on here. The, so the, I found this rabbi broke these down. Um, they're only, they're 411, 411 of the 613 laws you don't have to have at the temple. So basically 202 of the laws are all about how the temple works. So if you're in Indiana, 202 of them don't apply to you. Um, so of the 411 that are left, only 369 of those are applicable today because they don't involve slaves, kings, any of that stuff. Um, only 270 of those apply always, all the time. So some of them are like, um, you know, if you if you shave your head or if you make a Nazarite vow or when you have a baby, uh, they need to be, you know, do this on the eighth day or do, the, you know, different stuff. So they, this guy broke it all down that really there's only 244 laws to follow today. So it was a constitution, it was rules for living, and it helped them. It helped them a lot. It helped them to establish order and not have anarchy as they entered into the promised land. It helped them have rules of war and how to, how to treat their enemies. Um, it, it established their governments and their government system. So it, it really did a lot and it was good. We, you know, as a New Testament Christian person, um, a lot of people don't think the law is good and, and don't respect it and don't see what the point of it was. But to a Jewish person, which Jesus was, uh, the law was wonderful. It was helpful. It, it was an insight into God's character and it was an insight into God's love for his people to establish this kind of order. It would, in, um, where are we? Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 11. King David says, okay, King David, he broke a bunch of these laws. But he also strived to hurry after God and to live after God. This is what King David said about the laws. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. When anybody in the Old Testament talks about storing up your word in my heart, he's not even talking about the book of Psalms. He wrote the book of Psalms. So it can't be that. And if it's King David, it's before all of the prophets, which means that when he talks about your word, he's talking about, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The law. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold the wondrous things out of your law. I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. So to know what God wants, 
is, I mean, okay, so I love Cindy Sullivan. I want to know what she wants. I, like, like, she's my wife, and she doesn't want me to spend much money on Christmas. But boy, I try to figure out, what does she want for Christmas? What does she love? What does she delight in? What does she like? So if God says all this stuff, here's what I like. Here's what I like, my people. Here's what you need to do to be, to be my people and I'll be your God. Wouldn't we want to just look into that and pour over it and devour it and know it so that we could know him, so we could know what he likes? I want to know what God likes. That's why David's praying this. So they have all these laws. Jewish leaders are trying to help their people. And throughout history, they went through time trying to dwindle it down. Because who, who but a rabbi could memorize all 613? And so this one guy discovers in Psalm 15, King David narrowed it down, right? You had the seven commandments of Noah, you had the 10 commandments of Moses, but then you also have the 613 things. Psalm 15, David whittles it down. Who will dwell on your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly, does what is right, speaks truth in his heart, does not slander with his tongue, does no evil. I'm not going to read the whole thing just for time, but read Psalm 15. It's only five verses and it's another little list. And it's like, okay, here's, you don't have to know, like, don't eat lobsters. But if you do these things in Psalm 15, you're on the right track. It keeps whittling down through all the prophets. And Micah whittles it down. This is Micah 6.8. Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. It's Micah 6.8. And so these, these ancient rabbis trying to help their people figure out this 613, they whittle it down. Okay, Psalm 15. If you could just do Psalm 15. Actually, just do Micah 6.8. If you could just do Micah 6.8, that is the law of God, all summed up. And then they keep on going, and they get to Habakkuk 2.4. Habakkuk 2.4. So... Anybody that's done a good Romans study, right now, everything's tingling. And you're like, oh, Habakkuk 2.4. These rabbis, they're trying to sum up the whole law. They get it. How could we really help people to get it? Habakkuk 2.4 does it. The righteous shall live by faith. That's it. If, if you can do that, you have just fulfilled the whole law. The righteous, yeah. And then they meet and they talk. How do we sum up the law for everybody? Yes, Habakkuk 2, 4. The righteous shall live by faith. So then along comes Jesus. And Jesus says that he didn't come to abolish, abolish the law, but to fulfill the law, to complete the law, to make it whole. And he obeyed all 613 laws. And he died on the cross for all of those that couldn't. And he said, whoever believes in me will not perish, but have eternal life. Paul goes on to preach that gospel of Jesus, that whoever believes in Jesus will have eternal life. And he's also talking about the law. 
This is Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel is faith in Jesus Christ brings you into God's family and you're saved. That's Paul's gospel. In it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, or as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. He quoted Habakkuk 2.4 because living by faith in Paul's context, he's saying it's by faith in Jesus sums up the whole law. Everything God was trying to say in the law is summed up by believing in Jesus. In it, uh, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. There's a law because not everybody's going to go to heaven. This started with Noah. There was a judgment. And to, to have judgment, you have to have rules. You can't just willy-nilly, randomly kill people. Uh, that would not be just. And remember, one of God's laws with Moses was for justice. And so God puts out this line of justice, that there is a right and a wrong, but he makes doing right so simple and so easy that anyone with any tenderness of heart to believe in God can achieve it. Paul goes on to explain Galatians 3.19. So why have a law? Why, why have this law if everybody's just going to fail? Why have a law if it's just going to get people in trouble? Well, it was added because everybody was doing wrong until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. There had to be a list of wrongs. It, it wasn't just, boy, this is messed up. Well, what's messed up? Well, people are eating lobsters. No. Uh, God made a list so that people would know when they did wrong. That's what I, I always, when I uh, used to preach at the rescue mission, and I would preach on repentance, I would never tell people what they need to repent from. Because if I tell you, you need to repent, you know down in your soul, if you really ask, you know what you need to repent from. Uh, I don't need to give you a list. I can tell you something terrible and you'll be like, well, at least I don't do that. And then you don't feel like you have to repent, right? The law was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made and it was put in place through angels by an intermediary, a mediator, a referee. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. If a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. So a big old law with 365 do-nots and 248 do's is going to prevent anarchy and it's going to make sure people get what's coming to them if they do me wrong. It's not going to give life. It's not going to make us uh, innocent before God because we, we can't follow all of those since our birth, right? It's not going to give life. 
And so righteousness and God, all rightness from God, that righteousness is God looking at you and saying, you're all right. That's not going to come by doing, even if you do all 613, you can't check off a box and say, well, I did it because you still got to do something tomorrow. You still got tomorrow to, <laughs> tomorrow is still plenty of time to fail tomorrow. Righteousness could not come by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin. So many layers, so many laws, so many, so much depth of what we can do wrong just shows us that we're all under sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. So that the promise by faith in Jesus would be given to those who believe. All of those laws are there. Uh, Brett Nicholson, he, he, I've heard him say before, I'm in need of a savior. It puts us in a spot where we all realize that we need to be saved. So that when Jesus would come, we would see that we need him. Before faith, we were held captive under a law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So the law was a guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified. He is saying we, as Jewish people, they had a law until Christ came. But now that faith has come, so Galatians 3.24 the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. They're justified by their faith. They show their faith by participating in the law. That was how they showed their faith. So you knew how faith, how much I believe in God by how much I stay away from lobster. You know how much I have faith in God by how much I have right relationships and right hierarchy in my home. That's how you show your faith. It isn't your faith. The, those activities don't get you favor with God. I, I have faith in God to save me. And so I do those things. So the law was a guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we're no longer under a guardian. In Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. So now that Christ has come and he filled up the law and completed it, put the last piece in it, done, we no longer live by a law. We no longer express our faith by a law. We express our faith through communion with God through the Holy Spirit that's been given to us. And so we live out our faith in a lot of different ways but it's all do. It's all doing with our whole body, with all 206 bones, 248 bones, you know, whatever century you're in, however many body parts you think you have, we're doing it and we're living by faith. And that's what Habakkuk meant when he said the righteous will live by faith. That's what Paul meant when he quoted it. That's what God through his Holy Spirit inspired the prophets to, to say, even King David, I love your law. I want to get close to you. I want to know you. I want to know all your thoughts. And so Jesus made a way for us to do that, to fulfill the law. So not only did God come to be present with us as mankind through his law, but when he knew that we couldn't solve it, he solved it also. All right. Merry Christmas, Happy Advent, Sunday number two. 
hope you have a great week. Check out Psalm 15 and um, have a good day. God bless you.